Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. Today we're joined by Jonathan of Trainual. Trainual, since launching in 2018, has seen tremendous growth. They're currently doing over $5 million in revenue with over 4,000 customers. Jonathan talks about how they had product market fit well before their official launch. They had 16 customers using a very basic version of the application since 2014. That really helped them refine the solution and hone the product. So there's a ton of value Jonathan provides in this interview. But before, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, rate and review. If you're listening to this on a podcast, please rate and leave a review. Hey, Jonathan, thank you for being on the show. So uh, CMO of Trainwell, I know you guys just launched in 2018, but in just about two years, you're doing $5.5 million in revenue. You've got 4,000 plus customers and you're getting about 250,000 visitors on the site uh, every single month. So tremendous growth. Um, so let's talk about how you got there. But even before that, I would love to know who you are and uh, why Trainual and why did you start that company with your brother? Sure. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride the past couple, uh, I guess, two and a half years, almost three. But um, all right, yeah, I guess if we're going back, um, Chris has always been the serial entrepreneur, right? Like even back to, to the days of the lemonade stands and the car wash businesses and stuff. And, and me as the few year younger brother, just kind of always wanted to do what Chris was doing. Like I just like, he, he looped me into all his like wild ideas and neighborhood schemes. And, um, and that kind of culminated into, he, he started a video production company um, in high school. And I just started to learn all things about production and, and like would help you know, with editing and, and on-site camera work and everything. And over the course of a decade through high school and college, built the, the company with him to, um, there were three offices around the country. We were doing all the national work for us figure skating and, um, NFL pro bowl and, uh, and just cheer and dance and all these amateur sporting events. And, um, and it was, it was a crazy experience. Um, and then through, through that really, I was developing more of a, an obsession with like the, the marketing, the storytelling, the creative, the production side of things. And Chris was really honing the organizational process systems management side of the business. Um, because we basically had like anywhere we had a production crew show up to an event, we had to systemize the way things were done so that it felt like our company, no matter where we were, no matter what salesperson was there, no matter what videographer was there, what team we wanted to feel consistent with our brand. So that was kind of the start of this like systemized mindset. Um, and then around 2012, when, when, you know, like, or 2011, when these things became, uh, you know, popular and everybody in the stands had their iPads or iPhones, they started filming. We, we saw the writing on the wall and, um, Chris had at that point moved out to Arizona and I was moving out to uh, Colorado and we were both uh, a little, a little jaded on, on the production business. And mm-hmm. so he, he, uh, yeah, he ended up starting a consulting company called organized chaos to help other businesses learned to systemize the way uh, he had done with event video company. And I moved to the mountains and I, I went to just like chase, chase my own adventure dreams. And, uh, and I was in Aspen for a year. And then I, I bought a one-way ticket to South America and did a whole adventure film. Um, 
So I was, I was kind of like figuring out how to roll my background in production with like, I had studied marketing mm-hmm. and I was passionate about adventure. I was trying to figure out how to roll that all together. And along the way I had, I had had like internships with Old Spice where like I, I, they sent me to Switzerland to launch their Old Spice Matterhorn, like deodorant line. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when like social media marketing was just starting in 2010, I did like the whole blog and Twitter campaign for them there. So I was starting to see the, the, like, the the trends happening on like how to tell a story and connect with consumers in a real authentic way based on where the attention was going mm-hmm. and be able to be in the right position to utilize my skill sets to do that. Mm-hmm. And so initially I did that for my adventure stories and for from 2012 to 2017, I was doing uh, just adventure media and working with brands and doing content stories in the outdoor industry. I was do, you know working with agencies and and just seeing what I could build and create of myself to support all the places and experiences I wanted to go and have. And, uh, but then it was 2017 summer. Um, I got back from a month in Alaska where I'd been climbing Denali and doing a film up there. And I was kind of burnt out on the expedition life. And Chris was uh, visiting for 4th of July. We were on the South shore here of Boston. Mm-hmm. And, and he was pretty burnt out on consulting. It was like he had built a really great business, but it was tied to his time. And he, could only give so much. Meanwhile, Trainual uh, at the time was just a beta app that was kind of de- like, you know, 16 or something clients of his were using it for onboarding. It was oh, built uh, in- first of all, I must say that you led a very boring life from about 2012 to 2017. <laughs> it was rough. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> right. So uh, when you say you just had an app and now you had like 16 or 17 people using it, how did you build the app? Was it just a was it, was it just a side effect of Chris running that consulting business and you just kind of just built it by... Yeah, know. it was... Chris had worked with uh, with a few students at ASU and, and he had a, uh, a couple employees. He had a developer on staff at his consulting firm that helped and, and Chris did like the initial early wireframes and the UX of the whole app and, and kind of just built this like really basic... Um, you know, MVP of what Trainual would become that like would help companies start to document processes and and help with onboarding and systemize you know the way things were done it was the what evolution was that? Uh, Jonathan? Uh, that was in 2014 actually he started working on it and just never really rolled it outside of the company as its own thing and so it was like that conversation in 2017 that that we had seen he had seen some early traction with some clients with this tool and was like hey I'm thinking about stopping like the consulting business and just like spinning this out and and like rebuilding the whole thing to make it like be able to support like scale and kind of like add in this S, Y, and Z. And I was just at the time like thinking, oh, it'd be fun to work on something together again because it had been years since we had, had done anything together in a company. And uh, and I kind of needed that reprieve from the the adventure world. And so, uh, so I actually, my, my wife and I put our place in Boston on Airbnb and we built a bed in the back of my Jeep and cruised out to Arizona mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and like we were there through the winter and, um, and he and I, you know, worked to basically rebuild and, and remarket and, um, and get this thing off the ground. And so we launched train the trainual that you, you see today, like totally reskinned and, and everything, um, in January of 2018 with uh yeah shut down the consulting company and that's that's, that's great because uh, a lot of companies um they really struggle to find product market fit and they go through a period where they are burning a lot of money but they're not really finding out what the product is for and who is you know who it is for but instead chris did consulting and he built it very slowly where he honed the product and the offering and by the time he actually decided to 
build into like a proper business, you probably had product market fit. Yeah. There, right? So that's very, very early on. Yeah. It was like, like the, the services were basically research and development for what would become like, you know, let, let's take the, the DNA of the services that Organized Chaos used to provide and figure out how to make that happen in this app. And that was kind of what was being finessed in the background with very little attention along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in a big way, we put the attention into it in, in early 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and, and right, right early on, we knew like who we needed to go after. We knew that the, the, the target demo was that like the entrepreneur business owner who had got to the point where they needed, like, it's not, can't be all on them, right? They need to figure out how to document what they do so they can delegate it. Like you get beyond the one person departments and you get to 10 people, you get to 15 people and then it becomes chaos. Mm-hmm. And so we need, like this app was, was literally in the DNA of it built out of the informed by services about how to organize the chaos in a business as it grows. So we knew that that was our, our market. And we had the proof, which I think is like, it's the most important part of launching a product is, is proof, right? Like even before Trainual, going back to, to those, you know, the, the tough years of the, the adventure world, right? Yeah. Um, I, like I had, I had a film called Between the Peaks. And the only way that I, I got like 17 of, of like the outdoor industry's biggest brands to get behind this film is because I was able to get the cover story of like the Aspen Times Weekly because mm-hmm. I like pitched the journalist hard enough on this idea of what we were going to do. And then they ended up doing a feature story. And then I, I like went and knocked on doors at the Boulder Business Park and like slid that magazine cover with like my phone number under the doors and created conversation. But like that early, that early like press, the proof um, was, was how the ball started to roll. And that was the same thing with training you like we when we launched we had the proof of these initial stories of like hey here's a company that's been using this that's gone from three to 300 employees here's a company that went from one to five locations here's a company that sold right like we had proof that we could market with and also knew who we had to speak to so Jonathan, let me ask you this um that's not the traditional way to build a software company right uh, you had a very smooth transition if you were to start again in a completely new industry, a new product, would you do it the same way where you start consulting with the businesses in that industry and then really learn the market and then start to build a product? It's probably a very long way into building a SaaS company, but would you still do that or would you do it differently now? I still think that that's a smart way to do it. I think like like you will build the best product if you know how to like solve it, you know, manually first, right? Like I, I think that no process in in our company, whether marketing or sales or or anything, like we don't believe anything should be automated until it's first like approved manually, right? And I think that that's that's often the trip of, uh, in my opinion, a lot of a lot of software founders is that they try to like set out to to automate a problem before they know the best way to to like do it with your bare hands, right? You're like, I don't know. It's, it's thinking about like inventing the drill before the screw, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they automate the wrong problem where it's not a big, it's big enough problem and they realize, Oh crap. Okay. Or maybe yeah. they've automated too much to the point that the product is not usable anymore. So, right. I think the, like if, if, if you just go down the, like, I'm going to build this and you go in and get the developers and, and you build the idea and the wireframes and you get the thing, like, you haven't 
you haven't had enough conversations with the the target demo, with the user who's going to like, will this work for them? You haven't had those conversations. And then you go to, you've, you've already put in the money and the effort and the time to build something without having first had those conversations and hands-on experience of knowing what needs to be built. Yeah, you're right there. But even then that's quite risky. I mean, that's the best way to do it, but your way is still safer because look, you can go into an industry and interview, say, 50 or 60 people. And I've done that before in a product that failed where I interviewed very extensively and I knew I had the problem nailed down. And by the time we built the product, they loved it, but they wouldn't use it because they were just too comfortable with what they were doing already. So it was a you know, real struggle to move them across from wherever they were working, which was highly inefficient, to something that was far better yeah. We could not anticipate it. So, And we could only find out if we were working in that industry for years, like your brother did. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the, obviously the best way to build anything is like to draw on your own experience and, uh, and and to like first identify what what's the problem that needs to be solved. And so it's not just a scientific hypothesis. It's not a thesis coming out of just like, I think I can build this. It's like you've experienced the pain. And you've talked to other people who have, and now you set out to solve that problem. And I think you know any great invention comes out of either necessity or inspiration or um, opportunity, right? And like wherever you fit on that kind of spectrum of one of those three things, a big element too is is like it's it's a blend of experience and intuition, mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to go with it sometimes. Great, great. So you said that you launched in. January 2018. Uh, describe the launch. What does it mean? Yeah, so um, we we booked a uh, a restaurant in Scottsdale in uh, in Old Town there, and, and basically invited anybody in in the local area who had been using the the product already uh, in in its initial form. Um, we invited like you know local press and journalists and and just any anybody like I was kind of just a visitor at the time. So more, more or less we drew on Chris's network out there and like who he knew it as business owners from being in EO and, uh, and all the different groups that he was in there and startup AZ and all these things. So we just invited everybody that we could to come out and like celebrate this launch and learn a little bit about it. And we printed out these posters that had, uh, some like marketing headlines that communicated what it, what it was about. And, um, and really just had this kind of celebratory event. to like, introduce it to to that local market first and have a ripple effect of of people you know in that community talking about a training and did a launch offer we launched on product hunt uh, a, a few weeks later after that um we we emailed you know any podcast like at the time just looked at like the apple charts for the top 200 business podcasts and entrepreneur podcasts and just like found the contact info for all of them and emailed all of them and figured out like you know, I think we got in the first month, probably had Chris on like 28 shows. Um, so that, that was between like the event, the podcast, and, and actually early, even before that, the, the trainual.com website was just like a splash page that said, like, drop your email, like, the, you know, trainual is coming. It presented the, uh, the, the value prop of like, get your business out of your brain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we had built a list of a few hundred emails that we also blasted to, I don't know if you can still do this on LinkedIn, but at, at the time, uh, maybe you can, but at the time, uh, one thing you could do is like go to your contact list mm-hmm. and you can export the emails of anybody that you're connected to on LinkedIn. So we had like e- each of us just did that. And we had thousands of people that we just blasted to tell about like the launch of Trainual from mm-hmm. our LinkedIn professional network. 
So it was just like really, really like hustling on email and podcasts and, and the event. And we, we didn't start running ads or anything until four and a half months later. Okay. So let's talk about till four and a half months later. Uh, what kind of traction did you get from all the hustle and how many sales? Um, it grew steady. It's, I, I can't think of the numbers off the top of my head, but like we, we were steadily growing and had, you know, a, a couple hundred signups within the first couple months. Um, and we, we were getting, you know, it, it was like at the time we'd be like, like see, uh, one or two or five signups in a day. And, and we'd be like thrilled and we'd, we'd all like drop emojis on like the Slack signup channel and, and, uh, and celebrate like anytime that we saw somebody signing up, it was super exciting. But it was it was pretty steady. Were those free signups? What was that? Free uh, free signups. No, I mean uh, up until uh, up until literally the the start of July, we required a credit card um, up front. Okay. So for, oh, for the first yeah, for the first two years of the business, um, or two two and a half years of the business, it was a credit card up front. That was kind of the gate to basically say like a oh, high intention. Like I'm here. I understand what this is going to do. Mm-hmm. That was that was our our hypothesis on that and uh and then people would get in and then we'd end up converting like 60 to 70 percent of people out of the trial mm-hmm. and um and of course when you're like auto charging a card at the end of a trial you have higher conversions and at the same time you have higher churn but like mm-hmm. it, it we played that game for a while um right. we recently just switched it all over so now there's like no credit card required on the trial everybody just get in try it out great like we're we're, we're like bringing so much attention and traffic from from our ads like that we just want people to check it out. So, right. so why did you decide to run ads compared to other channels, content, or I know you guys do SEO and you're doing great with that, but you started with ads. What was, what was the reason behind that? I mean, we just knew it's a game of attention and awareness, right? And like, where is everybody spending their time when like, if you're not working or even when you are working, people mm-hmm. are just staring at this. You're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're, you're on YouTube, you're on LinkedIn. Like we, those are just the channels that people are. And, um, we had been like, you know, consuming enough content with it. We talking with coaches. We were in the, uh, this wake up warrior group. We were in SAS Academy. We were, um, you know, I was following Gary V and, and like just hearing about like, obviously the opportunity with Facebook ads specifically at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we figured like, why not try this? Of course, let's, let's give it a go. Like, let's put some money here and see what happens because, um, you know, you, you can pound the pavement and, and dial the numbers and send the emails as much as you possibly can. And that's great. And you'll get some traction, but I mean, there, there's a reason we, we don't have a robust, like outbound sales team. And I think that's more and more like SaaS marketers that play to the, uh, to the SMB space, specifically even the startup to small business space. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not playing with a generally a high enough um, you know value product that it's it merits that kind of outbound sales effort and so you need to crack that inbound marketing code and you need to figure out what are the where can you pour gasoline on the fire to just like get the brand out there and get more awareness and get more traffic in and ads were the, the obvious answer right. so we initially started spending on some Facebook ads and the first things that we did I don't I don't have the book handy with me but like the first thing that we did was understanding that like we were talking to somebody who if you had read the Mm e-myth or scaling up or um rich dad poor dad or Mm -hmm. like there are are certain books that just have that like systems mindset right that you read and you know that you need to build this like franchisable prototype of your business and you need Mm -hmm. to document processes 
And so we knew like if we could capture the people that have already read that book, mm-hmm. we just needed to give them the solution to take the next step. We didn't have to educate them on why it's important. So the very first ads that we started running were like Chris holding up the e-myth, literally just so like if you're throw, you know going through your scroll in your feed, you you see this book that you recognize. So it's drawing off that kind of brand attention and, and equity, you know, borrowing from that. And he's he's like, if you've read the e-myth, like you know that systems and processes are important for your business, but what it didn't give you is like the next step. And so what Trainual does is allow you to like that was kind of the initial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw like e-myth, you know, coaches commenting and like tagging Michael. And now Michael's actually an advisor of ours. Uh, we've got a great relationship with him. We've done some content together. So, so that's been awesome. But like, that was, that was the initial aha is thinking like, what's the outside of social media, where are people looking for this information and how can we get them in a point where we don't have to educate them that this is important. We just have to provide them the opportunity. So what does your Facebook funnel look like? What does our following look like? Funnel, you know, the funnel. Oh, funnel. Yes. Um, you know, we, we've not really done a lot of funnels. Like it's, it's like direct response has been amazing. Um, so let's like, initially we'll put, we have the pixel on like a free, you know, as, as soon as somebody starts a trial, it mm-hmm. fires the Facebook pixel to say like, they started a trial. Great. Now we create a lookalike audience against that. Um, but initially to get even traffic there, we built like interest-based audiences. So it was like, you're targeting people who are entrepreneurs who show small business owner behavior, who like Michael E. Gerber and the E-Myth, who let, who follow, um, Tim Ferriss or Gary Vaynerchuk. Like we, we just kind of like went down that funnel of interest-based targeting to build the initial audience, to show the initial ads, to get the initial traffic, to get the initial trials. And once we got enough trials, Facebook was able to optimize that lookalike audience well enough that that became the best ad set, that became the gold. And then from there, the things that, you know, it's like we show the, we show the ads, we hope that it gets somebody's attention. We, we like double click on the pane and show them the possibility and then they get to the site and, and then they sign up. And if they don't, then, then they get retargeted with customer stories and with uh, our G2 rankings and, um, and you know, product news and things like that. But that's, right. we, we, don't have, we don't have like a download this ebook and get into this webinar. Like no, nothing we do is, is like email gated in the traditional funnel sense. Right. So I know, I know eventually you started doing a lot of SEO as well. Let's talk about how SEO and ads, they go hand in hand, they complement each other. How do they do that for you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we didn't put much attention into SEO uh, for a very long time. <laughs> it just, whatever we had that was working organically, ha- it was great. Like, you know, small business systems and um, and standard operating procedures and, and process documentation, like a few of these things just happened to work for us based on content that felt natural for us to create. We We didn't like initially do like keyword research and and say like, oh, now we need to like rank for these terms and let's create this content. Like for us, we started with just like what, what feels natural and valuable for like what we want to create and valuable for our audience and what's authentic to our voice and what feels more like brand journalism than like SEO content writing. Because we like, I've always had such a high caliber like expectation for, for how we wanted to present our brand and our brand voice mm-hmm. that, you know, when, when you go from, when you go from a Facebook ad that feels so real and authentic, that's literally just like Chris and I walking down the street with like a selfie story. And we're just talking about like, like you can't clone your, your best people, but you can clone your processes. And he, he used to always take like 
tell me to take personality tests to like hire people like like we had we had fun with it and 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 so when somebody's like looking at your stuff you don't feel like a business you feel like a friend in their feed that they forgot they followed and then they're like oh what are they talking about and so we wanted like if you click through that and you get to our site and our content we want it to feel like it's still our voice like it's still real it's a human right and that's i think the downfall of a lot of like seo is it feels like mechanized just like built to rank for Google instead of built for providing value to your user and having any kind of conversational copy. So I was very hesitant to put any sort of like effort into like real strategy driven SEO mm-hmm. until, uh, until recently. And, and I've, I've only dipped my toe in the water a little bit with like directing our, you know, our copywriter and, and working with some outside, uh, outside strategists to like think through how we, how we do, you know, improve our ranking for, for training management or for, uh, employee onboarding and a few of these other terms while at the same time, not bastardizing our brand messaging. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, um, Jonathan, one last question. Um, the, the way you guys grew the company is very different. Um, so someone who's listening to this and thinking, okay, I need to, I'm, I've just started a business. It's not really going anywhere. Oh, um, I need to start a business. What advice would you give them? If, they, if they're just thinking that they need to start a business? No, they, I mean, they're thought that they're going to start a business, but now uh, they've read all these books, you know, interview the customers and find the problem. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to find the problem, right? Yeah. What advice would you give them? I mean, one, I would say like don't overthink it i think so so much of the like entrepreneurial star power comes from just trusting your gut and like yeah it's it we live in the age of of data and you everybody talks about making database decisions but at the same time like you have to you have to trust your intuition or you're going to regret it like to give it a shot try it I, i've always thought that like the old expression like throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks like throw a lot of damn spaghetti at the wall and, and like, just see what happens and iterate and have fun with it and be real and don't overthink how polished your content needs to be as long as like it's entertaining or it's educating and the story is right. And like put, put the, the effort into understanding um, the problem that you're solving for those customers, right? If you've had those early conversations, don't try and get too clever with your marketing copy. Copy, just use like what they said as your headline on your site. Like what's I recently took uh, an export of every review that we've had on G2 and mm-hmm. threw it into a word cloud software, just like a free word, free word cloud thing on Google I searched and just put that there and just saw like, oh, these are the 200 words that are coming up the most. Great. Like let's write headlines off of combining five of these words and, and like write eight different headlines and see what works the best because that's what they're saying, right? Cool. Um, so so I, I would do that. And I would also be really like, the way that we leaned into knowing that our buyer would have probably read the e-myth or probably watches shark tank or probably follows Gary or Tim or, or, you know, understand more than just their business behavior, understand who they are as a person, what are their interests? Where are they learning? Where are they spending their time? How are they uh, like, who are they learning from? Because the more that you can, like people spend a lot of time at work, but they also spend a lot of time in front of Netflix. Mm-hmm. and on Facebook and on TikTok. And it's like by, by like thinking on the other half of the coin mm-hmm. of consumer behavior and pop culture and like what are, the, what are the movies that might resonate? Like we've done 
we've done some influencer campaigns with the uh, some of the cast members from the office and uh, and have Facebook ads with them, and they absolutely crushed like eight million views on one. Um, it's been it's been wild, but because we understand like those cultural moments that resonate with our, our target demo, so think beyond the business product. Think about like pop culture and and like real people. Great. Jonathan, thank you very much for being on the show, and uh, I hope I can uh, speak to you again sometime soon. Thank you very of much. Of course, this was fun. And that's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends and your favorite podcast listening app, and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.